Welcome to the Freedom House Church Weekend Message. Today, you'll be hearing an exciting message from a communicator on our teaching team. Whether you're just waking up, on your way to work, or going for a relaxing evening walk, we know this message will equip you to experience Christ's freedom today and every day. So enjoy. What's up, Central? Good to see everybody. Y'all look wonderful. Look at your neighbors. Say, you look so cute today. You look so cute. If you're married to them, just give them a little smooch real quick in church. It's all right. Just a quick one. Want to welcome all of our live streamers, California, North Carolina, Georgia, New York, Maryland, Hawaii, Texas, Illinois, and Nebraska. Come on, church. Give them a big hand. And all of our dream teamers. Can we give it up for one more time for our dream teamers? They're so awesome. Fantastic. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Troy Maxwell. My wife and I are the senior pastors. Your campus pastors are sitting right here on the front row. Stand up, Pastor Stephanie, Pastor Aaron, Blanton. They're really nice people. If you go talk to them, they'll take you to lunch for free. So um, we're in a series on the book of James every month during the summer. Uh, we are going through a book of the Bible, Romans we did last month, James this month, and then John in August. And uh, we have these resources we'd love to get in your hands because really I want you to read through that chapter, uh, through, through the book of James, through the entire month of July. Now I know what you're thinking, well there's only five chapters, there's way more days than that. Just read it every day, just read the whole book every single day. It only takes about maybe 20 minutes, 25 minutes. If you take your time, you know, if you, you can fly through it real fast or you can spend some time in it and just read it every day. I know God will speak to you. It's really important not to take a vacation during summer with God, but to press in. Let's really press in over the summer. That's why we're doing this, to encourage you. There's some questions in there. We're sending out questions also after every message. Today, I'm gonna be talking about James chapter five, but I'm gonna start in chapter one because I have a little message within the message that I wanna share with you today. So look at James chapter one, verse one. You can look on the screens or cheat off a Christian beside you. Look at verse one. James, everybody say James. Come on, one more time, say James. He says, a James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. Notice that James calls himself a bondservant. If you don't know who James was, he was actually the half-brother of Jesus. He didn't believe that Jesus was the, was the Messiah until after Jesus was raised from the dead. 
And honestly, if I were writing a book that was gonna end up in the New Testament, I wouldn't have introduced myself as the bondservant. I would have said James, half-brother of God. Right, you would have got some serious sales. Amazon, top of the list, Amazon. Man, this guy is like the half-brother of God. That's pretty incredible. I gotta read his book. He didn't describe himself that way, which I think is very humble. He was the pastor of the Jerusalem church, what we're gonna talk about in just a minute. But it says he was a bondservant. If you don't know what a bondservant is, you'll see that often as writers of the New Testament introduce themselves. A bondservant was a slave who decided to stay with their master even after the master released them. Remember, every seven years and every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, all of debt would be you know, completely deleted. Wouldn't that be great if they did that in America? That'd be all, just get rid of all the debt. We just start over, start at zero. All your credit cards gone, hello. All of your, all, just gone. Some of y'all are getting excited about that right now. Ain't, it ain't gonna happen, but it's a pretty cool idea. If you were a slave in that time, you could stay, if your master was so good to you, you could actually stay on and continue to serve him. But I wanna focus on the fact that it, this is a pastoral book. Um, most people say that James is the Proverbs of the New Testament. And I love the way that James talks. He talks as a pastor. So with that in mind, what I thought I would do before we look into studying a few verses that I wanna go to today, I wanna talk about what a pastor is supposed to do in a church and what a saint is supposed to do in a church. In other words, what is my job and what is your job? And that, it would be cool to know that, right? Like, what's your job? Not, by the way, just showing up here ain't your job. And you're not getting any you know, stars in heaven just by showing up to church. There's a lot more to your responsibility as a saint, just like there's a responsibility that I have. In Ephesians chapter four, we see what are, what's called the five-fold calling. Every part of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit give gifts to the church. Did you know that I'm a gift to you? Woo, I know, I know, get excited. Look at verse 11. It says, and of Ephesians chapter four. And he himself, just talking about Jesus, gave some to be apostles. Everybody say apostles. Some prophets. Everybody say prophets. Some evangelists. Everybody say evangelists. Some pastors. Say amen, Pastor Troy. And then teacher. So this is the five-fold calling. First Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit gave nine gifts. Faith, miracles, word of wisdom, tongues, interpretation of tongues. In, in Romans chapter 12, God gave gifts as well to you, the individual. And here Jesus gave five gifts to the church. Now, a pastor, this is my calling. I'm also a saint, but I'm a pastor. This is my calling. My calling is no better than somebody who works in the coffee shop or somebody who works in the, in the uh, children's ministry or somebody that does tech or somebody that runs a camera. I just am called to a different position in the church. No position is greater than the other. Jesus is the head, we are the body. Are you following me? Now, what is my job? Now, here's what I know about every person in this room. I know something about you. And some of, some of you I know personally, but most of you I don't know personally. Uh, but here's what I know. You are either in recovery or you are in discovery. You are in one of those phases or places in your life right now. You're either recovering from something or discovering to something. 
You're recovering from a bad relationship. You're recovering from a bad experience at a church. You're recovering from maybe a loss of a job or you're recovering from a sickness or you're recovering from something or you're discovering something. You're discovering a brand new relationship. You just met a guy, he's cute, he's got money. Amen. All right, you're discovering a new job. You're discovering a new city. You just moved here from another city. You're discovering something. Now, my job as your pastor or the campus pastors or any other pastor here at Freedom House Church is to equip you. Notice what verse 12 says. It says, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. For what purpose? Verse 13, till we all come into the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or mature man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that five-fold calling, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, their role is to equip and empower, okay? To help you recover and help you, guide you in discovery. So to be with you in recovery and guide you in your discovery. Now, just like I said before, church is not a place, it's not meant to a place to be come and just sit, just kind of hang out. Just come for an hour and 15 minutes if you're on time. I caught you. We watch you. We tick you. Every time you come in, we know when time you come in, what time you leave. We tell God. We have an email. We just send it up to him 30 minutes late. <clears throat> no, it's a place to come and, and be a part of the community. Matter of fact, church is not meant to be something to be consumed. Now, I know that's the way we look at church. As Americans, we kind of look at picking a church like you pick a restaurant. Man, the food's good over there. The service is good. The parking lot's nice. I don't have to walk too far. Their children's ministry's nice. Their check-in's real easy. No, that's not a way. You don't pick a church based on convenience. You pick a church based on conviction. Matter of fact, God is the one who leads you to the place where you're to be planted. Okay? So that means that my job sometimes may make you a little mad. Like, you might get angry at something that happens in church. Maybe somebody had not wave at you right. Don't just leave. Good gracious. Grow up a little bit. You know, take it like a man. Take it like a woman. You don't just quit your job if somebody didn't say hi to you at your job. No. You don't think about church as a consumer. It's not about what you can get. It's about what you can give. It's about, that's your responsibility, which we'll talk about in just a second. But my job is I am more concerned about your holiness than your happiness. You know, around the throne of God, you know, there's angels. The Bible says there's angels that are just yelling. They're not yelling happy, happy, happy. No, they're yelling holy, holy, holy. So my job is not to make you happy. My job is to help you grow in your holiness. My job, I'm more concerned about your future than your past. That doesn't mean we can't talk about your past because your past can affect your future. But Jesus died so you can leave your past in the past. You can't change that. So let's talk about it for a few minutes, but let's talk about what's going to happen ahead of you. I'm more concerned about your faith than your feelings. And so as a pastor, Pastor Aaron, Pastor Stephanie, they may say something that's going to hurt your feelings. But, you know, like in marriage, my, you know, sometimes I'll say something to my wife and she gets mad at me. But then a few days later, you know what she says? You were right. 
How many of you know that's not true at all? Raise your hand. Now, put your hands down. Why'd you say it so fast? Y'all put your hand up so fast. <laughs> I'm more concerned about your faith. You know why? Because your faith is way more important than your feelings. I've said this before. Feelings are terrible leaders. And as a Christian, your feelings are never to lead you. Your faith is to lead you. So how do I equip and empower you? Number one is I teach the word. That's my job. It baffles me. Yesterday, last week, not yesterday, last week I was at South End and this lady came up to me. It was her first time at Freedom House. And she said, I am so glad that you shared the Bible in church. I kind of was like, what does that even mean? Like seriously, I asked her, I said, do you mean that some churches don't share the Bible? She said, yeah, I've been to many churches. They don't even quote one scripture. I'm like, what in the world? Run, Forrest, run. Like, get out of there. I have, to, I have to like subtract scripture from my, they tell me I have too much. That's a good thing to have. I, I wanna have, we teach our teaching team to make sure scripture is the basis of the message. So I don't have an opinion, I have the word, okay? Secondly is I need to be a good husband and a good father. I need to be a good example as a leader to you. I've said this before, over the last 20 years, listen, if my marriage goes to pot, leave. Because if I can't take care of my own family, why, how should I even be able to take care of the church? I've been married 30 years, amen, amen. I, I, listen, I told my wife, I told my wife a long time ago, I said, if you leave me, I'm going with you. <laughs> Third thing, raise up leaders. That's my job. My job is to raise up leaders, identify and then release leaders. That's, a, that's part of my calling. That's part of the anointing, the power of God in my life is to identify leaders and then release them. Some of them don't wanna be released. Some of them don't wanna be identified. They just wanna hide in the congregation. They just come and sit and leave, come and sit and leave. When there's gifts and callings, my job is to push you, kind of give you a love shove so you can begin to walk out that calling that God has for your life. And then lastly, my job is to pray. The reason why I identify and release leaders is so I can spend time in prayer. So that means I'm not gonna do everything as the pastor. I'm not gonna visit every single person in the hospital. Matter of fact, if I come to the hospital, he ain't good. <laughs> you know, it's just, and these pastors, they release, identify and release other leaders to pray so they can spend time in prayer and, and get with God to make sure what they're sharing as the example of, of, of Jesus Follow me, like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Now, so what's your job? I'm glad you asked. It's an acronym, F-A-S-T, F-A-S-T. Number one, your job is to be faithful. Be faithful. Now, faithful isn't showing up to church once a, once a month, all right? Did you know the average person shows up 1.3 times to church? I don't know what the point three is. Maybe they just do a drive-through, drive through the garage. <laughs> No, you should be here every week, every week, every week, serving, connecting. I know, I know what people think. Well, you know, um, I don't get much out of the church. There's gonna be a point in your spiritual walk where you're gonna come to church and you're not gonna get anything because an hour and 15 minutes is not meant to feed you for the whole week spiritually. You know, sometimes you're gonna have to split the whiskers, remove the bottle and feed yourself and learn how to grow yourself I don't like to worship. Well, then listen to other worship music in your car. You know, 
Time to wake up. Let's go. <laughs> so be faithful. Be faithful. F-A, be available. It's not about your ability. It's just about being available. It's, it's amazing to me when somebody just says, I'm available, how God will give them the talents and the skills and the growth necessary to fill the position. Most of the time, did you know that I wasn't God's first choice to be the pastor here? I was actually his third choice. God told me that. You weren't my first choice. You were the one that was said yes. There were two people before me that were supposed to take this church and lead this church in Charlotte. But my wife and I said, yes, we'll go. We didn't know what it meant. We had no ideas. We were just available. F-A-S, be a servant. Be a servant. Did you know that serving is the highest calling? Jesus said, if you wanna be great, serve. If you wanna be great, serve. F-A-S-T, be teachable. Not gullible, but teachable. Dig in, take what you hear. Go dig in the word of God. Okay, so my job, equip and empower. Your job, F-A-S-T. Okay, now let's, let's dive into this pastoral book. That was just a little sideline message, a little extra message. So now let's talk about James. James, five chapters. You're gonna see some of these as, as you come in the other teaching team ministers on. I'm gonna go to James chapter five, but James chapter one, he talks about uh, trials, count it all joy, the most unpopular verse in the Bible. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials and troubles. Nobody likes that verse. But how do you get through your trials and your trouble? How do you count it all joy? Chapter two, you gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. Be doers of the word. How do you enact your faith? Chapter three, you gotta use your voice. You gotta use the word that comes out of your mouth. Your, your, what comes out of your mouth, your speech, your words are like a bridle in a horse's mouth. It's like a rudder on a ship. It'll take you everywhere. But sometimes your words will get you in trouble and you have conflict. Chapter four. Because of the pleasures and the desires that we have in our own heart, sometimes our words will put us in a position where we have contention with other people. And then chapter five, how do we deal with all this? Prayer. So let's look at verse 13, and I'm gonna read a couple verses, and I want you to see if you can see the emphasis, I already gave you a hint, the emphasis of what James, Pastor James, the half-brother of God is saying. Verse 13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, what does it say? Pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, are you seeing kind of a, a theme here? And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess Verse 16, confess your trespasses one to, to, to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he earnestly, do you see a theme here? Earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Brethren, that's us, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns them back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. That is why you must never back down from the truth of God's word. 
You're saving a soul from death. Don't ever quit talking about the truth. So when I'm suffering, he says, I need to pray. When I'm sick, I call for the leaders of the church and they anoint me with oil. When I'm in sin, I get some friends, I confess my sin and I'm healed. If I want a good example of somebody that can pray, I look at the life of Elijah. So let's answer these three questions. According to James, he gives us three questions. And each, of, each one of them has a different form of prayer. Prayer, very important. So the first question, he says, is anyone suffering? Suffering. Is anybody suffering? Now, isn't it interesting that James starts with trials and tribulations, James chapter one, and he ends with trials and tribulations, suffering. But what is suffering? Let me tell you what suffering's not. Suffering's not losing 10 followers on your Facebook. <laughs> I know it's hard. It hurts, it really does. You have, even have an app that tells you people that unfollow you. Why anybody would download that app, I have no idea. Like, who cares? Somebody said to me the other day, well, you're not gonna believe who stopped following me. Why are you even paying attention to them? It doesn't even matter anymore. But we think, oh, it just hurts so bad. Or maybe they didn't, you know, I didn't get enough likes on my TikTok video. <laughs> you know. Who cares? That's not, that is not, the, or my air conditioner broke. I know that's, that's a first world problem, but in reality, that is not a big problem. I know, I know, you're saying, oh, but, but you don't understand. Open the windows of the car. How many of y'all grew up? I had a Volkswagen, my first Volkswagen, no air conditioning. How many of y'all had a car without air conditioning? If you lose it, you lose it. It's not, a, if that's not, that is not what James is saying. No, he's talking about real adversity, real hardship. I, I, I would dare say that what he's talking about is if you confessed Christ, you might lose your head. You might get crucified. You might get fed to the lions. I mean, I'm talking real hardship. And then what does he say? Does he say to worship? No. Does he say to confess the word? No. What does he say when you're suffering? Pray. Pray. Why? See, there's a secret to prayer. Now, I'm not talking about most of the prayers that you and I pray. Lord, I need. Gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Although that's how most of our lives are spent in prayer. We run in to, you know, sugar daddy God. Gimme, gimme, my name's Jimmy. And then we run out of his presence. When in reality, there's so much more. If James is telling us when you're faced with the potential of losing your head, when you're faced with the potential of being eaten alive by a lion, you should pray, I'd wanna know how to pray like that, right? See, prayer moves us closer to God and our problems far away. See, there's something about the presence of God that makes your problems seem very small. Even when you're in the middle of them. Even when, you're when you are suffering greatly, there's something about his presence. There's something about just 
being in his presence that changes everything. And it's not just about being in church or being in a life group or in a prayer meeting or in a worship meeting. It's about tapping in, walking through that door of understanding who God is that changes everything when you pray. When you pray, prayer, prayer makes God bigger and your hardships smaller. Because just like James said, you draw near to God, what does he say? He'll draw near to us. So the bigger God gets, the smaller your problems become. Let me say it another way. The more we know God loves us, the less things around us will ever bother us. And every time you get closer to God, you'll discover a little bit more of how much he loves you in spite of you, which is a big deal, right? I mean, we have a hard time loving ourselves. God surpasses all of that. When we pray, it manifests the power of God through our adversity. What does that mean? That means that even in the middle of the suffering, we can see just a little bit of God. And that's all it takes. I'm sure we've had situations in our life where it just seems like, I mean, all hell is just raining on us. But then you just get that glimpse of God, right? Just that glimpse of God and you're like, oh, there's hope. There's hope. It's like just, just that little ray of sunshine that comes through the clouds and you go, oh, there is really a sun up there. When you're going through all kinds of problems, when you pray, you can just sense God moving or you see him in the middle of your adversity. You don't know why it happened. You're blaming yourself. You're blaming people. Sometimes you even blame God, but then in the middle of it, you just see him just a little bit. I mean, think about this. Think about this. Jesus opened blind eyes. He raised the dead. He... uh he cast demons out. He cast like thousands of demons out of one person. He healed all kinds of sick people. But when his disciples came to him, what did they ask him to teach them how to pray? I mean, if it were me, can you teach me how to walk on water? Right? That would have made July 4th a whole different holiday. Hey, check this out. Fireworks, watch this. You know, but no, see, the disciples understood that there was a secret in prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Maybe you've never prayed before. Maybe you think prayer is mystical. I need to have the right words to say. Let me give you a real simple way to pray. Just a real simple way to invite God's presence into your world. Tomorrow morning when you wake up with your little James book, because you're all going to get one, right? Yes, Pastor Troy. And, and you open this up to chapter one. Close your eyes before you read anything. God, and you just close your eyes and say, God, would you speak to me? And then just start reading. Guaranteed, he'll speak to you. You get to a place where you don't understand, you know what you do? God, will you help me understand this? And then just keep reading. Whole different mindset. Watch how God's presence happens in your life. So is anyone suffering? You pray. Is anyone sick? Is anyone sick? Call the elders, the leaders of the church, 
They'll anoint you with oil. We're gonna do this in just a little while at the end of the service and people are gonna get healed of all kinds of things. It's gonna be amazing. But in order to understand healing, we've gotta understand our relationship as a believer to sickness and disease. We gotta understand that relationship. In Exodus chapter 15, um, we see one of the names of God. As you read through the scriptures, one of the things that's real interesting about God is he will all often introduce himself and, and say a name that he is, Jehovah, and then he would fill in the blank with a name. That name is a part of his covenant character with us, his covenant character with us, his covenant nature to us. He would say, I am Jehovah Nisi. I am the banner of God. I put myself over everything else. I am Jehovah. We'll just see Rapha. I am your healer. See, in Exodus 15, we see the covenant of healing with the people of God. The Israelites came out of Egypt and, and God speaks to them. Here's what he says in verse 26. And this is known as the covenant of healing. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Listen to what the promise is. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. And then he says his nature. For I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. In other words, sickness is not of God. Disease is not of God. If you are a child of God, you are never meant to be sick ever again. Four people got it. So let's dig into this a little bit. Because sometimes I think we go into our relationship with God. Well, I've just got to deal with. No, no, no. If you're a child of God. Now let's clear up who a child of God is. Because not everybody on this earth is a child of God. No, no, no. John chapter 1 let me read it to you. But as many as received Jesus, received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. In other words, I become a child of God. I become a part of God's family when I confess Jesus as my Lord. Not just believe in God. Look, you're gonna go to lunch in a little while. You can go just do, do like a little tour around the restaurant. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in God? Probably 95% of people will say, I believe in God, but they don't necessarily have a confession of faith in Jesus Christ as their savior. They take this book and they rip out the pages that they don't like, and the rest of it, they go, oh yeah, I like that part of God, but this other part of God, I don't like that part. No, 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 you get all or nothing with God. All or nothing, all or nothing. And so as a child of God, his promise to you and most theologians would say Exodus 15, 26 was the covenant of healing. James 5, 16 or 5, 15 is the covenant of healing in the New Testament. And so sickness is not of God. James 1 even says this, every good and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. No father wants his child sick. Let me say that again. No father, I'm a dad. How many dads do I have? Raise your hand if you're a dad. You, you, you remember when your kids were real, just babies and they couldn't communicate. All they could do is cry. Wah, wah. If they got sick, you were like, please, please put it on me instead of them. Right, dads? I want the sickness. Well, God did that. 
He took all of our sickness and disease and put it on his son, Jesus, for you and me. Because our spiritual well-being and health is not separated from our physical well-being and health. He doesn't just separate the two. He wants you to live eternally, but he also wants you to live sickness-free, disease-free. In other words, sickness is not God's will for your life. Please stop praying, if it be thy will. It is God's will. You don't have to pray that prayer ever again. Asking God, well, is it okay if I get healed? His answer is always, will always be, yes, you are healed in Jesus' name. Are you, are you following me? Now, if you don't believe me, let me just read the Bible to you. Matthew chapter eight. When he, Jesus, had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper, the worst of the worst sick, skin falling off. Matter of fact, when he was to walk through the city, he would say, unclean, unclean, so nobody will get within six feet, social distancing. This is where Fauci got it from. (laughs) (laughs) Unclean, unclean, unclean. That's what he would say. So Jesus shows up, and the Bible says the leper came fell down and worshiped him. Listen to what his question is. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Look at Jesus' response. Then Jesus put his hand and touched him. He disobeyed him, disobeyed Fauci. Put out his hand, touched him, saying, I am. The will of God is for you to be healed. Jesus proves it right here. I know you're still questioning it, but let me give you another one. And I could go all day with this. Matthew 4, verse 24. And they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments. And those who were demon-possessed, epileptics and paralytics. And he healed them all. Healed them all. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It is God's will for you to be healed. Well, what about people that don't get healed? Okay, first of all, it's not my job, nor it's your job to do the healing. It's God's job. That's why James goes on to say, the prayer of faith will save the sick. It's your faith that turns on the healing. Your faith. Sometimes my faith will work for you. All the time, your faith will work for you. You follow me? So what I'm doing right now is I'm stirring up your faith. I'm stirring up your faith. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more we talk about the word, the more your faith begins to rise. God's will is to heal me. Hmm. I don't have to deal with diabetes anymore. God's will is to heal me. I don't have to deal with heart disease anymore. God's will is to heal me. I don't have to have any more sleepless nights. God's will is to heal me. I don't have to deal with these migraine headaches anymore. God's will is to heal me. I can hear now. I'm gonna hear. I'm gonna quit not hearing out of one ear and be able to hear out of both ears. God's will is to heal me. I'm not gonna deal with these problems in my back. God's will is to heal me. Are you following me? God's will is to heal you. God's will is to heal you. See, sickness is a part of the curse. It's a part of the curse. It says, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Now, there's an obvious connection between sin 
and sickness, but not necessarily your sin and your sickness. It's the overall sin of humanity. When Adam disobeyed God, when he committed his sin, he, in, he allowed the enemy entrance into our life. When you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you have now put yourself back into the covenant relationship that Adam lost because of the second Adam that came for you and me, Jesus Christ. And now by his grace, you can live it out. Well, what about people who don't get healed? Let's not focus on what doesn't happen and let's have faith in what can happen. Are you following me? Don't, don't get all, well, well, start at, just focus on your faith, on believing that God's word is true for you. Don't get all caught up into what somebody else and people say, people, well, what about so-and-so and they had cancer and they didn't make it? Look, look, let's not question what's going on inside of their hearts. Let's deal with our own heart. Let's pray for them, let's believe for them. But remember, sometimes my faith will work for you. But all the time, your faith will work for you. In Mark chapter two, there's a great story, understanding the relationship between sin and sickness. There were these four friends who had a buddy who was paralyzed. And the Bible says they came to church, they couldn't get in the building, so they busted a hole in the ceiling, lowered this guy down. And Jesus, his first statement to the man who was paralyzed is, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And then all the religious people was like, who does this guy think he is? He can forgive sins. I mean, only God can forgive sins. Who do you think he is? And Jesus says, hold on, hold on. What do you think is easier? for me to forgive his sins or to say, him, to say to him, arise and walk. And then he says, arise and walk. And the guy got up. So he dealt with both. That lets us know that there is a connection between the two. But don't focus on that connection. Focus on this connection. Are you following me? Galatians 3, verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Isaiah 53, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken and smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. Come on, give God some praise. That's awesome. Last week at South End, we had a moment of prayer at the end, which we're going to do in just a minute where our leaders came up and, and people came forward and, and got anointed with oil. A girl DM'd me and said that she couldn't hear in her left ear, lost complete hearing in her ear and got healed her last week. Come expecting, come expecting when we pray in just a minute. Come expecting God to heal you. Don't just decide right now, I am not leaving with this sickness. God is my healer. Last question, is anyone in sin? Is anyone suffering? They pray. Is anyone sick? Call the elders, call the leaders of the church. Call the leaders. Is anyone in sin? Get your friends and confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another, verse 16, that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Dealing with sin, listen to me, church. Dealing with sin starts with confession. Confession. The devil would love for you to hide your sin because he operates in a dark room. He operates undercover. 
That's his, he would love for you just to hide. But God gives us a way out. In two different scriptures, two different words, he tells us, number one, if you confess your sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive you. That's an incredible promise. Think about it. Does that mean I don't have to do anything? I was talking to a gentleman in between service. He goes, I grew up Catholic. You know, it's really hard for me to connect. But, but man, this is so freeing because for so long in his life, he would have to go and confess his sins to a father and do a couple Hail Marys, some, some penance. In other words, I gotta do something to get out of my sin. No, no, no. Forgiveness is a free gift from God. It's a free gift. Does that mean I can do whatever I want? No, 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 no. You're missing the point. No, it's a free gift. God wants to forgive you. He already has forgiven you. And as you confess to him and own up to the sin you committed against him, he releases it all. And then he goes on to say, if you want to be healed, because guess what? There are effects of sin. Emotional. There's effects. Guilt, shame, hurt, betrayal. That's what it feels like on the inside. We've all felt it. I know sin, sin's real good when it happens and real bad after, right? Like, oh man, I can't believe I did that. So we deal with it, we confess it to God and then we hold on to it. The best way to get free is to go to your friends, not everybody, to get with your little small group that you have. That's why we have small groups. It's a biblical thing. Well, I don't really like people. Well, they might not like you either, but just get over it. Now, you don't need to tell everybody your sins. Broadcast it. No, you, you, you connect with somebody that you trust. They trust you. They can hold you accountable. You're holding them accountable. And you just go, hey, man, I'm struggling with this. And then as you confess, the the word declares you'll be healed from the guilt, the shame, the changes, the challenges. See, confession is cleansing for you and I. So what do we learn just in these few verses from Pastor James? When I'm suffering, involve Jesus, pray. When I'm sick, involve my leaders, anoint with oil. And when I'm in sin, involve my friends. Go to your friends. Share with them what's going on in your life. Call them. Don't text them. Call them. (laughs) And confess your sins and he'll heal you. So here's what we're going to do to close this service out. Is I'm going to, if you could stand with me. um, I'm going to have all my leaders come down. And each one of them is going to have oil with them. And they're going to do exactly what the Bible says. Just come on up right now. Leaders. And our worship team is gonna lead us in some worship. We're gonna take our time with this because there's people that need healing. And we want you, if you don't need healing today, we want you to be a part of the atmosphere of faith that's here right now. God's God's in this building right now. The Holy Spirit is here. His power is here to heal because he promised it. And so we're gonna invite you, if you need healing in your body, you're dealing with pain, you're dealing with sickness, you're dealing with uh, heart, heart problems or blood problems or insomnia or migraine headaches or uh, maybe, maybe problems in your, le- your knee, you've had knee pain or, or, or maybe um, any, any, any type of physical ailment. We're gonna worship together as a church. I want you to come and get prayer by the leaders of the church. Now, it's your job to come. This is really important. 
because this is the operation of your faith. Faith works. Faith does something. James tells us that in James chapter 2. He says faith does something. So you coming and receiving healing is you activating your faith for healing. You're activating it. So everybody lift your hands up to heaven. The worship team's going to lead us in some worship. And we're going to pray and we're going to see miracles today. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your presence. We thank you that as, as we pray for the sick, God, healing will happen. Deliverance would happen. Hey, Jordan, you guys, you guys come and pray. There's some other ladies here that need to pray. Father, we thank you for freedom from sickness. We thank you for freedom from disease. We thank you for complete and total healing in the name of Jesus. Now let's just worship God and watch what he does. tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we encourage you to spread the word. Share with your friends and family on social media and make sure you subscribe to hear a new message every week. Really love the message? Well, we want to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a review below. Want more Freedom House content? Follow us on Instagram at Freedom House and subscribe to Freedom House Church on YouTube. We hope you are equipped to experience all that God has for you this week, and we'll see you for our next Freedom House Church weekend message.